hello. Good evening. Good evening. That is Darius's voice that everyone I'm is back. hearing. Here's back. But we're also missing someone. Mikey's not here. Mikey's not here, but we wish him well. Yeah, he's on vacation. He's on vacation. He needs to relax. He's chilling, man. He's chill. Come on. Everyone needs to relax every now and then. The way, I'm not going to lie, the pre-pod banter, I think we got a pretty interesting watch-filled podcast. Yeah. There's some banter going on, me me questioning Ed's decisions and like aesthetic choices. Yeah. You know? And I, I think love we can it. get into that a little bit. We can. Before we do, as always, I got to let you all know, if you're listening on Spotify, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, wherever you consume this, please give us a five stars if you can. Please leave us a rating. Please follow. Please subscribe. It really helps out this small pod. This small pod is an ever-growing thing. And I love that when I see the little spikes and I see like 20, 50 people listen on one day, that makes us feel good. Makes us feel really good. So I appreciate it. So please keep that up. And without further ado, let's go into what was on the wrist and what was on the feet. Darius, go first. So on the wrist, right now, nothing. Um, mm-hmm. So can't be lying to you guys. No. Uh, actually, on the wrist today was Rolex Mariner, as always. And then on the feet, um, I actually wore, actually during the week, I wore one day a pair of boots for once. I haven't worn boots, boots in like year because I'm inside all the time. But that particular, this particular pair of boots, I haven't worn in almost two years. Um, wow. It was a pair of Saint Laurent Jodhpur boots. Okay. And a lot of people think it's actually the Wyatt boot or my pair, my specifically this that year's pair. It's actually the Eddie boot. Because they changed the name. Yeah, I know, right? But that was actually my first pair of Saint Laurent footwear. Wow. I think. I think. And then you were hooked. Yeah, and then just like started spending money, man. And it went up from there. It only know. went up, not down. It only goes down to vans and then. Yeah, but like, vans are a must. Yeah, like straight down to vans. There's no in between, which is wow. really un- unfortunate. What was on. Your side. On my side, um, New Balances, 990 V5s and the 998s. Um, for those listening that are New Balance fans and ALD fans, Teddy Santez previewed the new 990 V6 coming out in 2022, which looks really great for some people. And some people are like, this is not it. Um, yeah, so that's what I wore. We can talk about the New Balances another time. I want to focus on watches today. I just love it when we talk about watches. Um, and on the wrist, like I expressed, I actually switched it up. So the Tudor, the, the the Rolex, I put it away. And then I went back to this guy. I'm actually not wearing anything also. He's a psycho guy. He's a psycho guy. I'm a psycho guy. So I pulled out this anthracite dial <laughs> to psycho turtle, which the weight distribution is not great. It's not um, it. It's so top heavy. It's very top heavy, <laughs> but the, the cushion case just makes it comfortable. Um, but I will say, it's it, it, the, I put it on in the morning. It, it's great. It's big and whatnot. But then throughout the day, I actually just end up taking it off. Like, and I just put it beside it's the too desk, heavy, right? And it just becomes like a like a clock, as uh, someone else has said, right? About a different watch. Um, yeah. But like, you mean you know what? 
it's just fun. Um, that's why I kind of have this. I think if I keep any Seikos, it might just have to be this one. And shopping. Um, just because of the dial. Yeah, just because of the and dial. Shopping, you're man. right. I am shopping. And we can get to that later on. Unless, uh, unless you want to go into it. I don't know. Let's go into it right now. Okay, What are you sure. shopping for? So, you've, you've heard it before, and that's why pre-banter, I didn't want to bring this up. But basically, I'm in the market for perhaps a Datejust, Datejust 36. Um, Let's go. But someone also said maybe a 41. And I didn't know it, they could be hard to come by. So... You know, there's that one. There is also Tudor Chrono on the leather. Yeah. I know. I tried on the Pelagos a week ago, and I just fa- fell in love with it. On photo, it looks so big, and it just looks unappealing. But on wrist, it was great. Not saying, like, the wrist shots, but actually, like, wearing it, the weight of it. Really liked it. Um, yeah, because it's, like, it's titanium, but it's bulky, so it's not... Because it's titanium is not unsubstantial. Yeah. Like it's not heavy because it's titanium, but also because of the size of the watch. It's not an um, unsubstantial watch. Like it doesn't feel like a toy. Yeah. And I think we talked about it before, Darius. It's because of the lug to lug. Yeah. That is what made it very wearable. Uh, yeah. And I just, I also enjoy that it comes on the rubber. I I really think, and I don't know if I said it before, is that is really the tool watch for the modern, can I say man, the modern person that can wear. Yeah, I've said it. I think I've said it before here, but I've definitely said it before elsewhere that the Pelagos is the modern technical interpretation of a dive watch because that's what it is. It's a technical dive watch. And then in the Tudor family, you have Black Bay, which is a little bit more romantic interpretation of what a dive watch is. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see that where in like the tech, the the technology they use in the watches, um, what sort of materials they use, and sort of the, the general look of it. You know, so Pelagos has crown guards, it has ceramic bezel, it's mm-hmm. titanium, um, as a helium escape valve. Black Bay has none of those things, but it has much more vintage design codes. You know, aluminum yeah. bezel, no crown guards, big crown. So I don't know if this is just the telling of of this obsession, but it, you're right. The 58 is very romantic, and especially yeah. the OG with, like, the faux gilt. And then, like, there's – I don't know if it's pink gold, but this pinkish, you know, yeah. the, the, the hour – I think the hour markers around it and, like, the hands – yeah. Sometimes I'm not gonna lie, and you've dealt with blotches, so you could share your opinion. Like sometimes it's just too much. That's why I always just go back to like a, the Explorer. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it's static for my eye. When I put on the Pelagos, though, and I should specify, I tried on the LHD. I'm also left-handed, so I really want that watch. Um, but I tried on the LHD, and then I liked that there were the crown guards. But what I didn't like and because i own a black base like why wouldn't you like that is the kind of aged loom and like yeah specifically aged. on the lhd right yeah and it's such a modern watch as you said so having the vintage kind of threw me off 
um, it isn't a huge deal breaker, but it's just something I would I would kind of mention. And I don't know, as you've dealt and you've seen 58's like OGs move in and out, in and out, do you think those nods and those vintage aesthetic cues can be too much sometimes? And it's it just kind of throws the entire watch out of I think whack? handling the 58 before, um, I think the gilt markers and the... The, the look of that watch, it's very much vintage inspired. I don't think that the 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 gilt hands and the hour markers take away from the watch. I think it adds to it, especially with 58. You have um, the red triangle at 12 yes. o'clock. You have so many of these aesthetic details that I think it goes really, really well with the black. And of course, they, they bring that out to the bezel markers as well. So mm-hmm. it's not just like only the hands and then you have... Um, a non-coherent bezel. It's all working together. And with the black, it adds a lot of warmth. Mm-hmm. I usually say I like the 58 on leather most because of that, because there's more warmth, uh... right? That's what I mean. It's such a romantic interpretation. You know, people have this idea of having a beautiful leather strap on your dive watch, mm-hmm. where in reality, diving with a leather strap might not be the greatest thing because mm-hmm. it might get stinky. But, you know, that's the idea. Yeah. Obviously, you can always get a bracelet, and you'll be fine. Pelagos LHD. I've talked to Ed about this before. I think I think it's a good watch for him. Um, I think it's a good watch for you, Ed, but you already have a dive watch in the Black Bay 58, so mm-hmm. do you need another one? You already have the Psycho Turtle that you're talking about. Like, Do you need another? In your wheelhouse of saying chronograph, Black Bay chronograph, Datejust 36, potentially Datejust 41. Oh, there's one more curveball. One more curveball. What's the other curveball? Santos. Santos Medium. Cartier Santos. Okay, now you got to focus. Which one do you want? <laughs> I haven't tried on the Santos, so I'll be honest. Like, I, I can't really. I've just been judging it off photos. Um, but Santos, for me, like, there's no connection. There's no connection other than um, I enjoy the the bracelet technology and i enjoy okay. the interchangeability okay that this modern reference offers now santos would you get on leather or would you get on bracelet initially i would initially get it on bracelet okay and then you would buy the leather stuff afterwards perhaps if i feel like you know what i want to have a little fun okay i don't know i think but those are the only watches like that I've been thinking of. Well, what do you want this watch to be? See, now now you're it it's I just watched a video today about dog owners and how they want their dogs to stop doing this, but they don't exactly know what they want their dogs to do instead. They just exactly. want them to stop this, right? So now you're asking me like the same thing. It's like full circle. So what do you want, like, what do you want this watch to mean or what to be, you know, does it want, do you want it to be another daily Opal watch? Do you want it to be more symbolic of being, um, like a moment in time? Do you want it to be just another watch in your collection? Do you want it to be special occasions? Like, I would say. Because all the watches you're looking at, you know, they fulfill different purposes. I would say, though, from my perspective of watches and timepieces at this moment they all have to be dailies 
Dahlia Bull. Dahlia Bull. I should say that. Yes. Dahlia yeah. Bull. And I, in, in my opinion, though, all of them could be Dahlia Bull. The only one that you can reckon maybe not as much, maybe if I went with a DJ with a fluted bezel and a Jubilee, it's a little too much for an everyday. Gives off a vibe I may not want. Um, but let's say, you know, the, the flat or the rounded bezel with like an oyster, you know, oyster bra- bracelet or even a Jubilee with a rounded could potentially be a daily. I, that wouldn't be the uh, the configuration I, I would choose for you, though, because you already have an Explorer with the yeah. domed bezel and oyster bracelet. Yeah. You would need another one in that configuration. So you're, you would be saying if going DJ... You should go Jubilee. You should go fluted. I have loved the fluted. You should go fluted bezel for sure. Okay. Oyster versus Jubilee bracelet. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. I personally like the Jubilee bracelet more. Yeah. On the day just. I do too. And then for you, I would go actually 41 millimeters. Hmm. Hmm. Why 41 you, you have 39 black bay 58 mm-hmm. you have like a 34 hamilton mm-hmm. i believe yes you have 39 explorer so you have 34 39 39 41 instead of 34 36 39 39 what's the uh what's the chrono 41 as well yes mm. kind of jumps up and then the Santos is in that neighborhood too. Larger sizes. Yes. Not like the old ones, so they're tiny. Exactly. So now in this like wheelhouse of things that you've chosen, also Pelagos that you've chosen, they're all large watches, right? And then you have to take just 36 that's sort of an outlier yeah. and being a smaller size. Yeah. So just on size alone, I would consider you know, just 36 is not the one that you should be looking at because it doesn't seem like your other choices are lining up with it you know what i mean okay okay do you agree or am i just talk? am i just putting words in your mouth no i think i think you have a valid point because uh, as getting into this hobby there's always a crowd that's like bigger's not better let's go back to smaller like 34 was great 36 was great and we kind of saw that um, with the, the new Explorer, right? Going back yeah. down to 36, he, a lot of people are like, I love this. This is how it should be. You know, 42, 43 is too big and, and whatnot. And so I think there is a bit of me that's very biased and would love to play into that narrative and be like, smaller is better. But then I think there's also a part of me, there's this clashing... I wouldn't say it's a duality, but there's a clash where part of me is just like, this is 2021. I mean, modern sizes like 39 could arguably be small for, for current day. Yeah. Should be looking at 41, should be looking at 43. And we said this before on, on another podcast, it's the lug to lug that really matters. And so yeah. perhaps in that, maybe that's why I'm looking at it. Like right now, just like, you know, these watches are great and everything, but maybe I do need a, maybe there, there's a want for something larger, not larger just to like have something big and be like, ha, hey, check this out. But it's just what's offered on the market. Like what's modern. Yeah. It's also more like 
you already have smaller watches. Mm-hmm. You don't really have a large watch. That's true. Um, and if you do go for like a Datejust with a uh, fluted bezel, then part of the appeal of that watch and going back to like the original design of that watch is a fluted bezel. Mm-hmm. Right? Let me ask you this, because you've, you've handled quite a few. When they measure that 41, is it from the round? Like the yes. rounded lug? Or is it from actual like lug to lug? When they have like the lug to lug? Yeah, because what I like about the modern cases of Rolex is even though they may be long, is they all round off very nicely. I don't nicely. think there's an official measurement for that for that measurement but like to like most people measure from point to point right like effectively what what it it, what it is would be on your wrist would be where you know the pins are for the um for the end links that would be where it pivots first right so i think that would be where um would be a good measurement but ultimately i think the 41 is very very good i mean we have similar size wrists um, so I think the 41 would be fine for you in any sort of configuration. Would you consider gold? I'm not opposed to it, but I don't think right now. I love it. When when I when I the first one I tried on is actually, you know, very dear to our hearts, like that that AD right in a very large Toronto mall. The first one I tried on was at that time a date just 40. Two tone. I think it was a two tone. Mm-hmm. I think it was two tone. Dial configuration. I want to say it was probably the gold or something of that nature. And this was take in mind. This is like five, six years ago, though. Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah. So that's when they had the Datejust forty. I believe yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they called it Datejust two back then. Ah yes. Damn. Just a fucking encyclopedia. So. Yeah, I tried that one on, and I knew I would always love it. But I always said, not now. Not now. That's what you should save the 36 for. Really? Yeah. As the most conservative classic size and then a classic configuration of Rolex. Yeah. You know, yellow gold, oyster steel, jubilee bracelet, fluted bezel, some configuration of dial, maybe diamond. That's what you should save 36 for. Okay. I mean, I, th- I think that's very fair. I, I think that's a very good point because when you want to go yellow gold or like anything of that nature, you want to go back almost. Yeah. And especially like in such a classic size in such a classic configuration, it's such like an emblematic model for mm-hmm. this brand or even like, who knows, maybe in the future you want to go full gold, then you could do a 36. You don't have the full impact of like a Ford current 40. Um, it's a little bit smaller, a little bit more toned down. Um, it becomes much more of an heirloom piece because it is so conservative of a size and it's so classic of a size. That's what I think you should save 36 for. 41, I think a little bit more modern. I think you can do for your next watch. Mm-hmm. Cartier Santos. I've considered I've I've been at this position as well. Um, you know, Cartier Santos, Date Just. Yeah. Submariner. That was me. And and Speedmaster, that was me. Yeah. I tried the Santos as nice and pretty as it is in photos square cases are not for me mm. i can't do it mm. i've tried santos i've tried reverso i've tried tank i've tried tank on glaze i've tried tank american i've tried everything 
No, can't do it. Not for me. Like, what, these are all watches I like, right? Yeah. I just can't wear them. What about it? Was it like, uh, maybe not? I think it's because I have, I have smaller wrists, and I think it's like 6.75 inches or something like that. Like, in that in the neighborhood. I was always trying, like, large model Santos, um, extra large tank, because it's an automatic movement and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think because it's so square... Or long and rectangular, and in, in the case of like tank and um, reverso, mm-hmm. it sort of has this effect of bridging both sides of your wrist w- without like without a break in shape, you know. And then it sort of continues on with the bracelet, and that sort of look didn't like my wrist doesn't seem large enough to my own eye to support that, so it just was not for me. And then I say this, and I'm wearing like a 41 millimeter Royal Oak, which measures like 44 millimeters, but it's a different case shape, right? And different bracelet shape. Yeah. I think when things open up, I do need myself to to close the Cartier. We're going. We're going watch shopping with Ed. I think I think we need to close the book on it. I think I I just need to be there, put it on, be like, yep. And try everything. Yeah. Try all and just be like, mm, okay. Because I, yeah. I, I tried on the reverso um medium, reverso medium. It wasn't bad, but I didn't love it. Yeah, it's like a it's a beautiful watch. Yes. It just on my wrist, I not for me. It's, it was a and, and part of it. I don't know if you fall into it. I know I do. It's just the story. The story always gets you uh, for me. Yeah. It sort of gets me. I'm like, oh, like imagine polo player, blah, blah blah. Not like I play polo, but put it on. I was like, okay, you can take this now. Yeah, like I don't need it. Yeah, you know? like the story's cool, and that's what gets you into it, especially when you're researching the watches beforehand. But then when you try it on, you don't love it. People say these are emotional purchases, and if it doesn't sing to your heart, you know, yeah. And this emotional purchase is not making you feel anything. What if I threw in Black Bay Forty One in there? Nah, no, Serenity. I, because you already have because you already have Black Bay Fifty Eight. Okay. You know, which Forty One would you go for? Um, ceramic. I, yeah, full ceramic. <laughs> Is that is that is that an Ed watch though? I really don't think so. Yeah, I do don't. you do you resonate with that watch? As cool as it is, like technically and as cool as it is as is a new watch? No. No, but that's why I, I would love I love that watch. I know. I think it's a Darius watch. I think it's a very you watch. I love that watch. It's so good. I think it's a very you watch. It's if if there's anyone within my close circle to to be associated with ceramic number one is you. And to now get a full ceramic Black Bay 41 with the movement also having these like finishes. That's yeah, so fantastic. You. That is so fantastic. You. And it's a little bit thinner than the older Black yeah. Bay. So I love that thing. So let me ask you this, and this kind of like goes away from the purchase. I think if anything, we've nailed down that probably the next one should be a more modern sized timepiece, and we can yes. go back to that. So 
on the topic of you said it's going to be it, it's a little thinner than the previous models. How do they do that? Because don't they machine like a 41 and then would they not just take it and then like move it up? Okay, here it is on the Chrono. Here it is on a Black Bay, stuff like that. How do they actually make it thinner? So rumor has it that what they do a lot of times, so this actually happened with the Chrono as well. They made it thinner, the same dimension, same movement. How do you do that? Great question. The rumor is that they actually compress the dial and crystal and push the crystal up so you have a stronger domed effect on the crystal Mm -hmm. so the crystal essentially is thicker or more pushed up and then that way you can actually sink in the case back a little bit more and thin out the actual thickness of the case and move that thickness into the crystal thin out the case back a little more and push the crystal up or like case middle but essentially thin out the case profile right and then push that sort of movement into the um, that thickness of the movement into the crystal huh that is that's not what i thought yeah so like imagine having uh, this is such a bad example this is the only thing that was popping in my mind right you have a plate of jello yes. and you have a little donut around it and you yeah. push down with the donut. Initially, when we push down, it pops up, right? You want to push it down so that the, that the, don't, that the uh, jello squishes in and yeah. then, you know, scoops out into the center up until it's the same height as before you pushed it down. So like, so like the, the majority of, the, of this jello now is thinner, i.e. the case is thinner, uh-huh. but now the center part is raised up because that would be the crystal if it's raised up a little bit more oh interesting now the actual technical specifics of how they've done this i don't know so this is what i've heard and seen around people say what you have heard and seen is 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 the case though without the case back without the crystal still the same 41 millimeter case across across is the same okay it's still it's just the, the same. thickness. It's just the thickness. Because um, I'm like, do they just take that, you know, they machine it, they take it out, and then are they sanding it down or something? Right? Like, that. I have that question too, especially because a lot of it's like the same movement or the same movement architecture. Yeah. Ultimately, you can't just have the same architecture and make it thinner. Mm-hmm. In that case, you just make a new movement. You'd make it, yeah. Unless you do something like very different, like um, like a peripheral rotor, instead of having a full plate of a rotor, you make it around the edge of the uh, the movement. Fine, maybe, but that's like so much work. Different work. Yeah. Like, could they do it? Probably. Yeah. Would they do it? Questionable. Yeah. If it makes time and business sense. Yeah, because it's like, is it worth? doing like essentially developing a different winding system for one watch that you're releasing (laughs) right after investing you know however many dollars and time into making this movement already yeah okay so that's how they do it yeah wow and again i you said it was with the ceramic and correct same with the chrono because people are like oh it's a little bit thinner, like they've reconsidered it. And I'm just, I'm, and the whole time, I'm like, how? How are they doing this? But yeah, the explanation is interesting. Not, not yeah. one that I thought would be it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. 
here's one thing that I wanted to talk about. I was actually, I saw this news during the afternoon and I texted that and I was like, oh my God, this is so interesting. Yes, I'm ready. One of my favorite brands, Richard Mill. My man, Richard Mill. Richard. Man, the myth, the legend is now offering pre-owned watches in his boutiques. No, 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 Nike, Nike, what, what? What? <laughs> like a Nike? So this pre-owned program, you, you, you want to walk the listeners through okay. what this is? So Richard Mill is victim to <laughs> to essentially a incredulous demand relative to their supply output. Mm-hmm. So I have some pretty reputable sources telling me they make in the neighborhood of around 5,000 watches a year. In the neighborhood. Plus minus a few hundred. And then I have someone else telling me that some border controls in some countries have seized approximately several thousand, several hundred thousand Richard Mills crossing the border every year. Legit ones. Or? It can't be legit because there's several hundred thousand compared to 5,000 output per year. That's what I wanted the, the viewers to just kind of think about, chime in. Exactly. So, you know, if there's that many, that there's that much times people creating and getting caught with counterfeits, think about how many people are trying to buy these watches. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not they're aware of the price point or, or not, the demand is there and like the desire for these watches is there. So Richard Mill essentially became victim of this crazy, crazy, crazy um, over demand. And economics tells us is if this demand is greater than supply, you're going to have increase in price. Mm-hmm. Now, as Richard Mill, they do their own thing and they price at whatever they want and they price it at their MSRP. Ultimately, people were paying over MSRP to get these watches and this used market that we all have (laughs) now seen erupt, right, has gone up. And in 2020, 2021, Richard Mill was like, redonkulous, like, it was going up every single, every single week, every single, every other day sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And this represents, this sort of used market represents such a huge market for retailers, regardless of what um, industry you're in. Mm-hmm. There's this famous analysis saying that, um, posing the question, you know, what's the largest shoe brand in the world? Nike. What's the second largest? Skechers, actually. Um, yeah, actually, right? Wow. Okay. There's one, there's one entity that stands between Skechers and Nike in terms of yearly um, sales. That's people selling Nike shoes. Mm. Right? So if you have this massive market that exists for your product that you're not capitalizing on, mm-hmm. you know, you know it exists. Like, you know the market is there. Whether or not you capitalize on it is like a brand decision or a company decision. Mm-hmm. Richard Miller has now made that decision to capitalize on that market. smart is it so how does this all work though so say you have a richard mill you want to buy a pre-owned richard mill you can go into their pre-owned department in some of their stores and buy or sell your richard mill at market price 
market price. At market price. And they say that. They do actually say that. Um, let, let me market price. Current market price. They, they go on to say like that their specialists can, can give you the most precise and fairest evaluation of your timepiece regarding the buyback with you. Hmm. Which is essentially saying, to my understanding, market price. Oh. Interesting, right? So is that so let, let me put it into context. That's almost like That's like if Nike was saying, yo, we'll sell you um twenty sixteen breads yeah. for like two grand or like one grand, whatever. Some money above retail. Because ah. that's go, that's what market price for a lot of bridge and mills are. <laughs> right? So they're gonna be able you might go into Richard Mill store one day and see Arm eleven oh three McLaren carbon fiber. Mark, you know, retail price, what, like 250 whatever, some amount. And then it'll be sitting in the used department for double that at their store. Hmm. What's your thoughts? This really blurs the line. I think this blurs the line between... AD secondary like aftermarket can I say aftermarket or secondary market what well is it yeah I guess it's secondary market secondary. now but it's also like at their boutiques it's not yeah. like a dealership it's a boutique that's it's, what I'm they saying own these places it's blurring the line between AD and secondary market um how do I feel about this as a business move, genius. Yeah, as a that's what I'm like. That's why I'm like, oh, this is good. As a business move, I think it's really great. Yeah, because you you're aware of this market, you're capitalized on the market. Fine. Or consumer, you have the, you have the power to shut it down. Yes. You could or control. I would say control yeah. it. Uh, as a consumer, though, oh, I don't know how I feel about an AD selling me something at market price. Not saying this doesn't happen. You know, and some other ones. Um, who knows? But yeah, who knows? But I think it it, it kind of makes it tough. Now it's sanctioned. Now, if you are, sanctioned, for example, that's a good word. Well, it's essentially what it is, yeah. right? Well, if you are like a consumer trying to buy, let's for example, not something modern, right? For example, something like an RMO five okay. that's not made anymore. Say you wanted that watch, and it's in the pre-owned department. Now you know it's legitimate. Now you know it's authentic. Now you know all the paperwork is there. Now you know all the servicing is done correctly. And mm. servicing for these watches, one is expensive, two takes forever. But people don't do it. Now you have absolute peace of mind for this watch. Because we've seen some horror stories of people buying at auction, buying at trusted retailers, buying at trusted um, aftermarket retailers. Yeah. Now it's act of store now it's at the brand it's evaluated by the brand so as a as a as a customer buying who might want to buy a used timepiece this might be great Mm -hmm. right and the market for these watches especially the supply of these watches it's so limited that even if you had the money you might just not be able to get it like they might not, they might not be able to give you one. Mm-hmm. Give it big, sorry. Yeah, no. and it's not like they don't want to. It might be just they actually don't have any. Like mm-hmm. in the case of Arm Eleven McLaren, we were just talking about limited edition, sold out. 
literally can't get you one. You could throw a jillion dollars at them and they don't have it. It's like a scenario where people are trying to buy Ferrari La Ferrari. There just isn't them. There aren't <laughs> any, right? Like, at all. Yeah. So what can you do? And this is your best shot. Yeah, and I know, I, know for, I know for Ferrari, though, a lot of times people will sell the cars back to Ferrari, and then Ferrari is able to distribute these cars to their own standard. Hmm. So I think this is a very similar idea to that. Mm-hmm. You know, because at these price points, people might feel like there's there's more ease of mind knowing that you can get your money out of it. But if if you're going back to the brand to do it, I think having this model at this price point makes a lot of sense. Like it, essentially, now I've like now I've thought about it. This is essentially the Ferrari model. Like this draws parallels very, very, very well. Like assume, let's say you want something a hard to get Ferrari. Mm-hmm. You want to get like um, like four eight eight Pista or whatever, something like that. The new eight twelve Competizione. Can't get that if you're like a reg, quote unquote regular customer or a walk-in. You need to build some sort of profile with them. But say you want to buy like a, a mid-engine sports car from them or a V12 sports car. They oftentimes, to my knowledge, will point you towards the pre-owned department. Hey, maybe you want to start off with something that we have here and we can offer this and you can get started with the brand that way. Mm-hmm. Now you don't need to buy something new that you don't want at all, that you're not interested in at all. I think with this model, Richard Mill is opening up the possibility of people entering the brand, buying something that they are more interested in than, yeah. than that they have available new. Which is a good thing. Which is a good thing for both parties, both parties. I think. I think. You can interpret this as them trying to play a game with you and extracting more money out of you as well. <laughs> so what's the not-so-great part about this, though? They're essentially sanctioning great, or aftermarket, not great, but aftermarket sales of their product. That poses a problem. And then are you that thinking- poses a problem because it's like, are you buying it with the intent of future appreciation? Are you actually going to enjoy the watch? How are you gonna how are you going to manage people who no longer have the original watch or they're not the original purchases purchasers of the watch and they come back to you to sell it? Mm. So that brings up a good point. And what I wanted to talk about with this is I think this is where someone like RM, I think has to start at this first, is to find out technology and find a way to start to track provenance of secondary timepieces as well as brand new from the factory, like off the line um, watches. So then when you do these buyback programs through like RFID or like through NFC, whatever, is to be able just to like, boop, okay, okay. So the original 
owner was John. It's it's not you, Kyle, right? But then it, it's a at least. I mean, not saying they're going to get the the watch wrong and say it's a like pass off a fake for real, but it's like okay, there's a trust there. I think yeah. within the program, they need to they they should consider something like this, right? Because yeah. provenance of secondary goods, I think, is always it's murky huge. water. Because we uh, you brought it up, like their auction houses, and I've seen it too. Could be something like a like a Rolex Daytona, right? Yeah, from from like the Paul Newman dials, fake like all these signs, but they really didn't know their specialists really thought it was real. Right. So I think when you, when you start to do these secondary programs, you should also be, cause essentially to me, you're selling peace of mind. Your product is yes. your, your, your secondary product is a watch, but your first product is really peace of mind. And if you're selling yes. peace of mind, it's almost like you also need to implement something like, you know, blockchain, RFIDs, so you can kind of see the provenance. Yeah, all in all, I though, think, yeah, I think it's crazy, right? What are you gonna say? What are you gonna say? I was gonna say like NFT technology, but you hit that one right away. <laughs> I think this is where you have to go, and and especially you got to leave it to the watchmakers to to make something so like small, but work so well, right? And once you get those crazy maniacs in there, if they're I think this is the right way to go in terms of RM as a business strategy uh, and to maybe perhaps gather more revenue because they can't keep up with the, the demand. Great thing uh, for the buyers. You know, if you've got the cash to blow, whether for RRP or secondary, I don't know how much this changes for, for that buyer. Or, or, and you could argue that, or you could kind of comment on that. Um, the only thing I keep thinking about is just provenance for the yeah. for the ad to verify and then after that let's say joe buys it joe comes back three years later tries to sell it and like all this stuff i don't know i think this opens up the the discussion of if you purchase this watch and in the past and this is true for a lot of brands you get very afraid of ever selling this thing should, because you don't want to destroy or tarnish reputation and relationship with your retailer. Okay. Right? Because it's, it's like you're going behind their back or something. Yeah. And like maybe you have a legitimate reason that you want to do this, right? Say you're going bankrupt. What are you going to do? Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to sell the liquid asset that I have for some amount of money to keep my head afloat that's not really a reasonable thing to do mm -hmm. right you should liquidate it and keep your head afloat say you're a, a person who is in the the money bracket to buy an rm chances are you probably have a business unless you have like <laughs> like familial money but the the point stands that you would likely have some people relying on you for income like for work or yeah. you have some people who rely on you for like being your employee or you know having contractual deals with you or working with you as a business to business things like this what if you have like business problems and you need to you want to feed these people Right? Like, say you have 20 employees, you're about to go bankrupt, and this RM that has now 
you bought for 200k now with 400k Mm -hmm. that will give you enough money to pay the wages of these people for like i don't know 10 months whatever some amount right now it opens a possibility to do that without tarnishing your reputation as a purchaser and a client Mm -hmm. because you might have a legitimate reason or for whatever reason right now they're more open to this idea of these are not forever items Mm -hmm. you trade in your car right similar idea is there anything that outlines how much the ad will be buying it quote-unquote buying it back for no, they're just saying that they're uh, they're gonna do their best to accommodate for market pricing and th- th- give you the best, the best of everything, right? The best, um, the p- most precise and fairest evaluation of your timepiece. So, is it fair to say, let's say you you picked up something for a hundred k, okay, and then uh, after market right now is going for a quarter million dollars? Is it fair to say that perhaps you could walk away with a hundred and fifty k? Most likely seventy five k, because two hundred k maybe two hundred because they still need to make some sort of, you know, money margin right? off of that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, same thing as going to a dealer with your car. You're gonna not gonna get full market price. Yeah, you brought up the good point about it affecting or allowing people to feel like I can sell this watch without. Touching. I'm not. You're not married to this watch for life. Yeah. Because that is an issue that some people may not be aware of um, with some highly coveted pieces because they're so limited. It's very easy to trace who that buyer was. Yeah. And it's like, it's an honesty thing, right? Like, yes, we, we do buy these things with the intent of loving them and wearing them. There's so many reasons why someone might fall out of love with a watch. Mm-hmm. They might need the money. Yeah. You never know. Does this tarnish Richard Mill as a brand? And no, no, I don't think so either. No, especially at their price point and exclusivity. Yeah, is this gonna make people? Oh, now I can I can go in and possibly find one that I like, right? Yeah, I think it's good. Good. Now, I don't know how, how the supply is going to be, even with this program. Who knows? <laughs> right? But at least they're being proactive. I think what I can appreciate, and you, ever since you shared this watchmaker with me, is I can always appreciate the 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 act of stepping out of the box. And people don't get it at first, but they will get it. Right. They're always willing to push that boundary. And I think this is just the RM being RM. They're pushing it. And who's doing this in, in watches right now? No one. Nobody. No official watchmaker is doing this. And the yeah, fact that they're nobody's doing, this, doing that. I, I think this is a great move. This is really on brand. This aligns with their vision or like one of their visions. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's a good idea for them. For them, yes. Mm-hmm. For them, for other brands, probably not a good idea. Yeah, I, like I don't, I don't need to see like Breitling do this. I don't need to see IWC do this. I, I think no. not at that caliber. No. You think Jacobs should do it? <laughs> Jacob Co. Oh my God! You, did you did you see the news today about Jacob Co. This is dating the podcast or whatever. 
they're accepting Bitcoin transactions. Wow. Um, but could you say that's very Jacob to do? <laughs> yeah, but it's not. It's not like a. It's not like this is a Jacob thing to do in a good way. This is a Jacob thing to do in a not good way. <laughs> it's just about the volatility of of Bitcoin. No. Okay. What? So Jacob, founder of Jacob Co., Mister Jacob, I forgot his last name. <laughs> he was. He served a sentence in jail, or allegedly laundering money okay okay you served a sentence now you're accepting transactions with bitcoin who that is widely 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 known and touted to be untraceable <laughs> i see where you come from right this is like this the spider-man meme pointing at himself right like very progressive, yes. Uh-huh. But like, uh, uh, have you learned nothing? Perhaps not. But, uh, you know, I think it's also great for validating Bitcoin and cryptocurrency as a thing. Very progressive and... <laughs> Launder some more. On, on, on brand again. I, I want to say this. Last weekend, I met up with a friend, and I met my friend's friend. Um, and I want to get him on the podcast because he was very anti RM. Oh, that'd be I, a lot of fun. I don't like. I don't want to. I don't want to speak on behalf of him, but I don't think he fully understands the brand. And similar to myself, when we first met, it was a lot of the stuff from the outside, yeah. right? But not really diving in. And I yeah. even said to him, because he was, I'm not saying he was coming off aggressive. Maybe that's just how he is. It was my first time talking to him. Maybe that's just yeah. how this gentleman is. Um, but he was very adamant in into discounting the brand, not like the validity of, of the brand. Validity, not ingenuity, but validity. And I kind of found it off-putting, and I don't mind if he hears this. Um, we're a very honest podcast. But I feel like you can't have such a strong stance without understanding it to the max. Yeah, yeah. So, it's like making an opinion without truly understanding the concept. But yeah. definitely, that's what, something I would And, and I would what he ended about. up doing, and look... If you listen to this, you know, you ended up showing another friend, like, look at this watch. This is what I'm talking about. Like, what the fuck is this? I don't think that was a very fair thing to do. Cherry picking is not a fair thing to yeah. do. I, I, I don't think so. So, yeah. You can cherry pick bad examples for any brand. Yeah. So just, just I want to put that out there, Darius. Like, I, I, I want you to have a discussion with him. I'm, I, and for yeah. listeners, I don't want you to think... I want Darius to rip him to shreds. It's let's have a talk about this. Like, what is it yeah. that, that you, you may not understand or you may not like about it. Right. And then let's yeah. talk about it. And we're not, we're not going to convert you, but I think we should have the other side and not just have like none of us in here can likely afford these things anyway. So, you know, it's all abstract. <laughs> is it, they, but, exactly. But as a, as like a discussion, an example of like, what can be, be really done? Good, yeah. I think it'd very be a very interesting good conversation. Be a very good conversation, right? 
because to to the average person, the the RMs of the world, uh, Frank Mueller, right? You can even say, well, people don't really know Roger Dubuis. You and I do, but I don't know yeah. how 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 many the the masses do. Like these are just like, oh, it's it's for a show. Oh, it's for Sylvester Stallone's movie, right? Yeah. You dig under all of that stuff and all the marketing, and you actually find out there there's a lot of validity into this and into these brands. It's not just all that kind of you know the sparkly stuff. So I want to get him on, and I, I want him to, to you guys to to kind of talk. Be very good. That's something that I would want to do. I know the I moment think... he's he started, uh, the, and if he he came off this, I should I should just say he didn't mean it, but he came off of like had the stance. I'm just like, dude, I want to get you to talk to Darius. Yeah, like you have. To, I was like, you have to talk talk to my co co host Darius. Um, you know, and and I think afterwards you you could come out with a different opinion. Is all I said. Yeah. I think this is going to be the Richard Mill podcast because Richard Mill came out with a, a lot of stuff recently. And <laughs> I never had the chance to talk to anyone about it because everyone glosses over and it's like, what is going on? <laughs> but they came out with the RM, McLaren again, mm-hmm. Speedtail. Speedtail. Yeah, RM4001. So RM has this long partnership with McLaren and they last released series of watches for the mclaren senna that came out and now it's for the speedtail if you guys have never heard of the mclaren speedtail look at it it's beautiful fantastic fantastic execution of a pure design and a pure idea mm-hmm. i assume you've looked you're looking at it right now what do you yes. think um I, I love these watches you like this one? I, I do. I do. Okay. You know what gets me? Um, I mean, it could just be the bias of you saying McLaren. But it's I'm looking at the movement right yeah. now. And even in this image of them, it looks like the McLaren. <laughs> it does. It does. It does have that same shape <laughs> as the McLaren. There's there's something I like I, I, I like the little shit like that. Um and just the hits of of uh fucking orange yeah just make it look nice it's, it's a great it's a very flattering timepiece and i think it's it's really yeah. fitting for someone that has the, the mclaren because yeah. that's what you want to be wearing yeah and i don't know for sure i'm not sure for certain but my assumption is that these will be numbered and these will be offered and have been offered to the purchase of the of the McLaren Speedtail and you'll get the serial number that matches the VIN of your car. Which would be really cool. Can I, can I say something? And yes. uh, can, can you speak on this? Free sprung balance with variable inertia. What the fuck is variable inertia? <laughs> that's just like being able to move like change the uh center point of the like the rotating point of the uh of the balance wheel okay they say it very fancily i know i was like a lot of watches have that okay. it's just like the um the inertial masses on the balance wheel that people adjust huh. so, i actually don't like this watch <laughs> i don't like the really? look of it it's very well written but what don't you like about it okay in the context, like the watch itself, like out of context, really good looking. Okay. I wish it didn't say Speedtail, but whatever, I get it. 
in context of this being the Richard Mill and McLaren watch. Okay. This falls so flat on its face compared to the last generation. Okay. Like McLaren RM11, McLaren so good. The Turbion split second chronograph, so good. This is an automatic winding Turbion that they have like bajillions of. It looks good. Yeah. I, I feel like they could have done more. Like from the sides and like from a, from a profile look, they have that jagged edges on the case side. This could be an RM1103 in titanium if I didn't know. That's what I don't like about it. But could you then argue that the McLaren they could have done more too? No, because no. McLaren the McLaren car. Yeah. That looks nothing like anything else in the catalog. Okay, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. This car has three yeah. seats. Yeah. Right? Like come on, it has three seats. It is like twenty feet long for aerodynamics. <laughs> it's very aerodynamic. <laughs> right? Like it doesn't have wing mirrors. Yeah. It has a plate on the front wheels for aerodynamic. Like, they've done so much to this. Mm-hmm. Come on. Come on, Richard. You can do better than this. Okay. So you're saying... And they did do better than this. Okay. So they did. So, but but focusing on this, and we'll close this off, is based on the ingenuity of the card, you're not seeing that reflected on the timepiece. Correct. And also, also considering, like, the previous... Mm iterations of this collaboration with the Senna and the RM1103 McLaren and like the 50 something oh something okay crazy turbion got it right they could have done a lot more okay and they did better with the next release RM7402 yes. the ladies automatic automatic winding turbion check this so this is a in-house automatic winding turbion with a Fully open worked dial and movement mm-hmm. offered right now on the website. I don't know the full catalog, but carbon and gold NTPT. I believe there's a uh, there's another configuration of it too. Not sure I enjoy this one very much. Oh, you're not about this one. I'm not sure aesthetically, so. I haven't dove, dove into the specs, but just based on the looks. Oh, you don't like I, this one. I'm not sure. 7402, right? 7402. Yeah. Yes. 7402. Yeah. Hmm. Why, why would you say that they, they um, redeemed themselves with this one? All right. So Richard Mill introduced the RM07 um, for ladies. And this is like the first um, ladies watch for Richard Mill. And fun little story about it. It's actually modeled on the wrist of Richard Mill's ex- assistant. Okay. So the initial prototype that were pieces of paper was actually modeled on her wrist. So it's distinctly a ladies watch. Okay. And it was actually the first watch that they did a in-house movement for. So ha- keeping that in mind, now they're implementing the greatest technologies that they have and the most signature technologies that they have with the gold carbon, 
the they have a ceramic material, ceramic and titanium blend. And now it's open work and a turbion and it's automatic and it's in-house. I think this is a really, really good representation of what they've envisioned the lady who wears RM to be. I was literally going through that in my head is who is the lady that wears an RM on the wrist? Like this one? This is the lady who just ruined your day at the private track day that you booked out and she completely dusted you because she's such a better driver than you. That's wow. her. Water resistant 50 meters. As I'm reading the back. This made... Oh. Okay. Right? Like, you see that? Like... You know, this is a this is a, it's a sporty watch in carbon fiber and, and it probably matches the interior trim of her McLaren Senna GTR, right? That she just dusted you in. Yeah, I can see it. Sporty. I think this is I think you need a new word. This goes far beyond sporty. Modern, athletic. Yeah, like anything but Jesus. Formal. Or this is the woman who... Boss ass bitch. Yeah, because like, not only is your watch carbon and gold on the sides, your gold, your carbon has gold in it. Wow. That's pretty sick. I don't know why I just thought about this. Nicki Minaj? Is this the Nicki Minaj watch? To me, she's badass. Yeah. It's a fucking badass. Over Cardi they B. actually they actually put an iteration of this watch on their um their endurance racing team okay that's can that's comprised of all women okay cool so like you that. know I love it I love it because one they did that too it's really good looking watch it's not just like a smaller watch with diamonds on it yeah they've done a lot for this because that's lazy I think what what we're getting out of this is like a lot of the ladies watches to to make it significant or like worth it it's such a lazy thing to do slap exactly. diamonds put a funky color like put a i want to say this girly color on it and like yeah. it's not it like I, yeah. I i think you're right though this is a representation of like yo this is something that a female or a male or however you identify it would would love to wear like it looks yeah. great yeah, right. and it's not just a lazy design. It's distinctly yeah, it's designed to look like this, to be smaller, to ha include all the technologies, to be well-designed. Yeah. It, it's almost like if you're listening, when you see those like Jordan 1s for females and they're like pink, purple, sparkly, whatever, I get it. Like There might be a crowd that wants it, but there's a large crowd that just wants... The same colorways, but available in ladies' sizing, right? I think I got it. Okay. I got it. You got it? This is not simply pink washing the watch. It's not just pandering to the female gender as described as, like, the people who are making these watches. This is distinctly making a cool product in this size yes cool product in and this size. in and in this case it was designed for ladies but just a really really good product for the size yep 
right? Like what other brands making an automatic tourbillon distinctly for women? See, I think, oh, fuck, I hate to go back to this, but this is why I think that that gentleman needs to be on this podcast. I can think of one other brand that does. It's, it's like this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. When you shine a light on it and you, you strip away the bullshit is, you're right, like what other brand is releasing um, this, like female-focused like watches with such intent, Yeah, right? Which, which, with so much meaning. Who's the other one that you have in mind? It's AP with the Royal Oak Concept Automatic Turbion or Flying Turbion. Distinctly made for women concept, Flying Turbion. Still, sort of in the same wheelhouse of things. You know, I I saw an AP concept. You're not the only one. It's only I saw that on a stage where I was in, in in the seats. Okay. I was far away from the seats, but I fucking saw that shit from like, what was I like row 20 or like 22? That AP concept. Blown away. Mile away. Shout outs to the minute marker, our friend, uh, Brandon over in Illinois that was on the podcast because he saw the same thing. He messaged me the other day. It's just like, Man, I remember seeing the AP concept live in Chicago on John Mayer. And I was very far away. Just, and it's just like something like that you don't miss. Yeah, you don't miss that. Anyways, sorry. But that that's all the RM stuff for today that I remember has, has come out. Yeah. It's been the uh, Richard and Mill podcast. It's been the it's been the Springs and Springs and Mill. Okay. Springs and Millionaires. So yeah. I wish. I wish. I wish. You, you can you talk about your experience in seeing seeing the buyers of these? Everyone, man. Everyone. Everyone who's rich, like absurdly <laughs> rich. Like you need to consider like how wealthy you need to be to buy something like this, especially the Turbion stuff. But like, it like, could it's like, be anyone. It's like Darius. I don't care. Just, just give me the watch. Just give yeah. me the watch, right? Just, just whatever. Yeah. Just give me the watch. Yeah, I've, I think. Okay, craziest story. Heard through the grapevine, but someone was buying. Um, I don't even know if it's still in the collection. A million dollar price tag being a tourbillon, all that nonsense. You know, we're talking. We're talking. We're talking. We're talking. Didn't talk about like purchasing it at all. Okay. For like three hours. We're talking, we're talking, and then we're just like, oh, did you want, like, how you, how did you intend to, uh, how you intend to pay for it? And just forward that, that notice to his assistant. She'll deal with it. Wow. Like that, like, like that separated from a million dollars. Wow. Not even considering himself. Like, he's not going to deal with it. Jeez. <sighs> yep. Um, it's not going to be the life. Not in this lifetime for me. Yeah. But yeah. that's what I've seen around and, like, you see on the forums all the time of people <laughs> like tra- looking at them. It's like, this is insane. Yeah. 
Would you say though those purchasers of RMs are approachable if you saw them on the street? Could you approach said said buyer? I have approached people who are wearing RMs and it's just been like that's really cool. Not like hey man, that's a not, just like that's really, really cool. Um and share like some story about about the brand and like our now shared history with whoever I was talking to. Yeah. And people enjoy it, you know? It's like beyond being able to connect to that piece beyond just like, yeah, this is an expensive watch. This goes on from not just RM for any brand, mm-hmm. right? Or any piece or anything. If you have someone who comes up to you driving your supercar and you're like oh that's a really expensive car great thanks oh that's like a gt3 rs yep oh right i bought and it you, and, <laughs> and it's like and you have i can see like you have the um pccb brakes right then you know you're it's someone who's a little bit more interested you might be more inclined to talk to this guy mm-hmm. be approachable guys don't be creepy be approachable not creepy yeah yeah. Be approachable, not creepy. That's a good. That's a good tip. Yeah, and like, and there's everyone will buy anything. You never, you can't tell. That's true. I mean, before my first watch, I remember telling myself, "I want to walk in with flip flops, t-shirt, and whatever, and just be like, boom." Here's my money. I'd like said watch. Did you do that? No. No. You gotta, you, you gotta respect the experience. Come on. Respect, respect yourself. Respect their business model. I'm not saying go decked out in a suit, but just have some respect. Yeah. And be approachable, like you said. Like you said. I think this is a great closing idea. And yes. Great closing words. Yeah. Especially people in Toronto. Oof. Tromans? Man, we're opening up soon. You're on the patio. Just be nice to your server, man. Oh, dude. Give them a tip. You're opening a, another can of worms. In general, yes. Just Please. be nice to the people who are helping you out, man. Yeah. I've never worked in hospitality, but I've always made it an effort to be the most easygoing. Uh, and just the most thankful because especially now it's it's tough but I when I see people and this is not watch related or RM related but when I see people treat servers and servers like shit I'm like why what are you getting out of this what is what is really the thing and it could be just a byproduct of um, of my upbringing but even if something's wrong with my food, I just suck it the fuck up because really, is that worth it? And again, I maybe I'm not spending thousands of dollars. Yeah. Right? But really? well, like, man, if Toronto man's if you're listening, dude, a lot of the servers and I've just been hearing stories from my friends who are servers, they've gotten hired on for two weeks, laid off, hired on for like one week, laid off. On like a notice of two days, 
and they've had no stable work for like so long yeah if you can afford it throw them a good tip man yeah fuck everyone's just out here trying to survive everyone's out here trying to survive somber note but it's true yeah just be kind i was just gonna say the positive message is that just be kind you never know what's gonna happen right you could be kind and then one day end up with an rm on your wrist who knows who knows? knows who knows but what we do know is that this is the springs of third podcast wherever you're listening we do appreciate the comments and ratings uh, right now, we've still withheld a perfect five-star on Apple Podcasts. So thank you for the, I believe it's 11, 11 votes on there and counting. Um, and I hope you found something informative about this episode. Probably one of my one of my favorite episodes, you know. Um, we miss you, Mikey. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's because of you. It's just this watch, this watch hobby is... is crazy and it's just really fun to talk about yeah it's something not a lot of people are willing to just explore a lot yeah and i want to not that he needs this i want to shout out mr roman sheaf sharf sharf i'm gonna cut that i want to shout out mr roman sharf for such an amazing series on youtube called gray market very interesting i've watched it and how he conducts his business is super interesting not just necessarily like in context of being in watches because he is a jeweler but like just sales sales his gut feeling you could say his instincts you know and it's just his knowledge going into a situation and being so well prepared and equipped is something that we all we should all if if you if it's something you want to get into uh just aspire to be right know your shit just learn dude just learn and be kind learn and be kind and where can they learn to be kind darius not my instagram but (laughs) if you wanted to not learn those things it would be uh at tar.ig and so if hey if if you're if you're the person that I met last week and we talked about watches dar.ig let's set it up set it up it'd be a great conversation and where can they find you and this podcast ed they can find me in this podcast and yes thank you it's edward over here you can find this podcast at springs.thread on instagram what I'm doing now with all the descriptions that are going live on these podcasts is um, our Instagram handles will be hyperlinked. So you can click into it and then, you know, hit us up, message us, you know, say what's up. We really appreciate it. This has been pod 36. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time with Mikey and one day we're going to do Mikey. Some, yeah, with Mikey. And I, I, I guarantee we're going to do our first first live pod soon i mean in person maybe we should do it live as well oh, that, that'd be such that'd be kind of messy yeah, that'd be so messy. anyways it will happen but until then everyone stay safe be awesome be kind peace bye